Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So you want to hunt pheasants, but you don't have a dog. No problem. On this episode, I'm going to talk about three different strategies that you can use to hunt pheasants without a dog. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanitas, and today we are talking about pheasant hunting, and not just pheasant hunting, but pheasant hunting without a dog. A lot of new hunters that are trying to get into the sport, they're not going to have a dog. And to be honest, a lot of seasoned hunters, people that have hunted all their lives, Still, many of them don't have a dog because a dog is a lot of work. A dog takes time, it takes money, takes training, takes effort. And, you know, if you don't really want to have a dog, chances are you're not going to get one just to hunt with, right? Um, There's just a lot that goes into it. And a lot of people think if you don't have a dog, then you can't hunt pheasants and, you know, a dozen other things. But the truth is, you can absolutely hunt pheasants without a dog. In fact, I've had more opportunities on pheasants without a dog than with a dog. It just depends on a variety of factors. So uh, there's not just one way you can hunt them without a dog. There's three ways at least that I'm going to talk about today. Well, I might even get into four, tell you the truth, but there's a a number of ways that you can do it um, with what I've got and beyond that. So it is certainly possible and not only possible, you can have a great time doing it. I will say this, Your odds of taking a pheasant with a dog are better than without a dog. Without a dog is going to be more work. You're going to flush fewer pheasants per hour in the woods. You're going to flush fewer pheasants per mile walked in the woods. That's just the way that it works. A dog does make it easier. Uh, I mean, assuming it's a good dog. You know, a good dog is going to make it much easier It's going to significantly improve your rate of of flushing and getting pheasants. 
So I'm not trying to replace a dog um, or say you shouldn't hunt with a dog. To the contrary, that's that's going to be the most productive way to take pheasants with the least amount of time, least amount of work is with a dog. That said, you can still do a great job and have a great time without a dog. So how are we going to do that? Well, first, let me encourage you, if you're not already subscribed to this podcast, hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you get these shows coming in right to you every time a new one goes out. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes and lots of other episodes on a variety of types of hunting, all organized by category and then by topic within those categories. And please make sure you do head to iTunes, leave a five-star review with comment. It's the number one way to help the show reach more people. You're not doing it for me. You're doing it to help reach other new hunters and people trying to up their game. So let's jump right into it. Number one way, and I'm going to say this is probably, when I say number one, the easiest and most effective way to hunt pheasants without a dog is in a group. All right, if you can get two, three, four, five people, I'm going to say, you know, three to four is a really nice sweet spot. But, I, you know, max would be depend on how many people uh, your state allows. Different states have different rules, different numbers, and so on. But get a party of people. Say you've got four people. You want to walk a field in a line. Maybe... 10 yards apart, maybe not even that far apart. It depends on the terrain and who you've got and how experienced everybody is. But you want to walk that field and you want to try to push through that field. Now, the thing about pheasants is they may flush when you get a few yards away. They might flush 10, 15 yards away. They might not flush unless you step on them. So, you can never be sure. And, you know, to, to, to be have the most effective screen possible, you'd probably want to walk, you know, almost shoulder to shoulder, five feet apart, maybe 10 feet apart. But that's a bit unrealistic. Um, and then what's going to happen is you're going to push through that field in a really tight formation and say birds push one way or the other. You're going to come back the other way through that field and... Uh, it's going to be too easy for them to get away from you. It's going to be more like one person walking through a field than a group of people. So I think somewhere between 5 and 10 yards apart is good. can certainly be further. But if you don't have a dog, you know, a, a nice 10 yards or so, something like that uh, per, per you know distance between the people is going to work just fine. So what you want to do is you want to push through those fields. Now you're doing two things. You're looking for pheasants with your eyes on the ground. You're listening for pheasants with your ears in the air. And you're trying intentionally to make noise. You're not sneaking through the field. Okay, you are walking at normal volume, stomping through some nice thick pants that that are going to protect you and, and keep any anything from poking you while you're walking through the brush and you're just going to push through these fields that have pheasants in them and pheasants spook when when you get close they hear you coming they start getting quieter they start getting nervous they'll hunker down most of the time not always 
And then you get close enough, they hear that rhythm of walking, they hear you getting closer, and then they just lose their cool and flush into the air, and boom, there you go. So, um, you know, you want to push through these fields in, a, in formation, and when they flush, you want to shoot at them uh, based on a prearranged sort of, you know, who's got what bird. Right, so you want to shoot forward only. You only want to shoot within like a 30 degree arc in front of you, only at eye level and above. You never turn to your side far and shoot unless you're the guy on the end because you don't want to risk any chance whatsoever of hitting someone else in your party or in your formation. But if the bird flushes in front of you or is within your 30 degree arc or uh, maybe it's a 60 degree arc, whatever you guys decide, whatever's good for, you know, if you've got young kids, you probably want to have more constrained parameters. So there's more margin, uh, things like that. But you're pushing a field as a team, as a group, walking, talking, talking as you go, cutting up, having fun, telling jokes. It's all good. But you're using your ears to detect the birds when they flush. Okay. Cause they make a lot of noise. You can absolutely hear them. And you're using your eyes to look for them on the ground. Because you can see pheasants in the brush, on the ground, as you're walking, as you get closer. And if you see one, you can push towards it in order to force it to flush. Uh, If you don't see it, there's no guarantee it's going to flush. You can walk right by them. I have walked right by a pheasant. We were were out pheasant hunting, um, you know, about a week or two before this recording and one of the guys in our search party walked right up to it. I mean, he could have reached out and grabbed the pheasant. He was so close. And he, you know, he was like, okay, guys, what do you want me to do? Should I shoot it on the ground? Should I try to kick it up into the air? What should we do here? Because uh, this bird was not moving unless you stepped on it. Well, they decided, no, don't do anything. We know where it is. Let's, let's get the dog over there. Use it as a training opportunity to test the dog, to get him on the scent, to, to train him on what to do and how to do it. But we could have absolutely just reached out and grabbed that bird. Could have walked right by it, though, if we weren't looking. So you want to look down, listen up, and then move forward. Um, you know, there is a little bit of a debate people have. Uh, I actually just... Literally, last night, the night before I recorded this episode, I was talking with some guys, and they said, well, you know, it's illegal to shoot a pheasant on the ground. I said, illegal? As in, there's a law saying you can't shoot a bird that's on the ground versus it's got to be in the air? I was like, okay, show me what page that's on in the, in the, in the Hunter Trapper Digest. So we pulled it out, and uh, it wasn't on any page. It's not illegal. It was a complete and utter piece of just hunter lore fabricated for who knows how many generations. Um, It was utter nonsense. That said, there is an ethical debate. Should you or can you, is it right to shoot birds on the ground? I'll let your state tell you if it's legal. In Pennsylvania, it's certainly legal, but I'll let you, I'll let your state tell you. And, uh, but is it ethical? Is it right? Is it you know, sportsmanlike to shoot a pheasant on the ground? Well, there's two things, two questions that you need to ask to determine if something's ethical. Number one, 
does it give the bird an unfair advantage um, by by hunting it that way? Or rather, does it give the hunter an unfair advantage? Excuse me. And number two, does it put other hunters at an unfair disadvantage to do something like that? And here's how I would address that. Does it give the hunter an unfair advantage over the bird to shoot the bird on the ground? I'm going to say no, not most of the time, because they're not easy to see on the ground. You will see them in the air before you see them on the ground. But every now and then, while you're walking, if you got four sets of eyeballs, you will see one on the ground. Now, I'm not saying you should shoot it on the ground. I think they're much more fun to shoot in the air. I think the the value of the I think the the funnest part of the sport is flushing the pheasant and shooting the bird out of the air. I think that's the fun part. That's it. If you want to take if you want pheasant for the freezer or for the crock pot or you know to make you some nice cranberry merlot sauteed pheasant, which is my favorite way to do it and that's what you're out there for, then you take that bird however you can take that bird. However is legal, you take it. You know, if you're out for to take the birds home, that's what you're there to do. You do whatever you want to do, whatever's fun for you. I do not believe that shooting a pheasant on the ground gives an unfair advantage to the hunter. These birds are camouflaged, they can run, they can fly, they can hear you coming, they're smart birds uh, I, I think that's I don't think that's a legitimate concern there and I think a lot of the pheasants that people are taking are stocked anyway but it's all about how you have fun on that standpoint however the other ethical question does it negatively impact other hunters this is a this is a different question um, you know now when it comes to like duck hunting if you're walking around trying to shoot ducks on the ground or on the water, you know, you can blow up other people's hunts. You can walk right into other people's spread. You can spook birds out that other people were hunting and you can, you can harm other people's hunts by doing that. When it comes to pheasant hunting, that's not going to happen. It's just not the, it doesn't really work that way in pheasant hunting. You're walking through fields. Everybody's trying to push birds and shoot them. You know, there's no, you're not going to mess up somebody else's hunt by shooting a pheasant on the ground, but you can endanger their safety. One of the rules that we have usually when pheasant hunting is a party is you only want to shoot birds that are eye level or above, right? The idea being they're going up, you're shooting up. Even if you make a terrible mistake, even if you swing in a terrible direction, even if you do something horribly wrong, your line of fire is still going upwards over the heads of everyone who's with you. So it's a extra safety precaution. If you're shooting a bird on the ground and there's a group of people there, potentially other people there, and, and you pull too quick or a wrong direction, wrong angle, there's a ricochet, someone else could get injured. So I think when you're, sh when you're hunting pheasants in a group, in a party of people who are close together, I do think that it could be unethical to shoot them on the ground. You know, I, we're putting fun aside, we're putting, you know, the joy of the sport aside, we're talking about safety here. 
And I think it could be negative to safety to shoot pheasants on the ground with a party. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, now, if you're out by yourself and there are no other hunters around, then I don't think it's any different than shooting a rabbit on the ground or a squirrel on the ground. I think that's perfectly that's perfectly legitimate. There's no safety concern. There's no ethical concern. But when you're with a group, I think you should limit your shots to the safest shots, and you shouldn't, in most cases, try to shoot a pheasant on the ground in a party. You don't typically walk through the woods in a line of people, you know, five people wide, shooting squirrels on the ground or rabbits on the ground. That that doesn't often happen. That's a rarity. Uh, and even when it does, you, you know, uh, now I just don't see that happening, really. I mean, I guess it could, but it's very uncommon. But for pheasant hunting, you know, you're, I think you're just creating a less safe situation. What if the bird moves? What if it starts running? What if you swing and runs behind somebody else and you blow out somebody's leg with your shotgun? I mean, these are the kinds of crazy things that happen when people make bad decisions. So if you have a rule, you can only shoot at the birds in the air above a certain height. That adds an adds an added layer of safety. So even if you swung around and shot right over somebody's head and made a horrible mistake that extra layer of safety is going to protect them because you're still only shooting at birds that are so high. So even if you shoot in the wrong direction, you still have an extra layer there that could save anyone from injury. So I just felt like I had to address that safety concern because this is the best place to talk about it. And we're talking about new hunters, right? Probably a good chunk of you guys who are listening have done little to no pheasant hunting, uh, are new to the sport, or maybe you used to have a dog. Whatever the case may be, that just needed to be in there. Even if you already knew that, knowing it more won't hurt you. Next way you can hunt pheasants. Pushing a field by yourself. All right? Same idea as a group. You are just walking through that field, burning rubber, pushing through heavy brush, trying to spook birds on your own. Now, this is probably the single hardest way to do it. All right, you're pushing, you're you're walking through heavy stuff, sucking up a lot of energy, you're covering a lot of ground. Can you flush birds? Yes. Will you flush birds? Yes. Is it going to be worth the effort to flush those birds with as, as much as you've got to go and cover and all of that? That's a tougher question. I have given up hunting this way 
personally. To me, it's just more effort and more energy than it's worth. I feel like when you're pushing a field, at least with a group of people, your chances of getting the birds in that field are higher. If that bird runs a little to the left or to the right, it runs into another person, it flushes. When you have a single person, you know, if that bird runs 10 feet this way and hunkers down, you'll never know and you have no way of ever getting that bird up and into the air. So you can hunt birds like that. I have flushed pheasants walking through fields by myself, but I just don't feel like it is worth the energy, worth the effort, worth the time. That's going to be the highest number of miles per birds flushed um, or the highest number of hours per bird flushed. It's just, it's just the, 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 you're at the bottom of the barrel on the math equation. That's going to take the most work, energy, and time in order to get the least number of birds. But it'll work. You can do it. It can be done. But it's a tough one. Uh, you know, the, the, the hardest thing about pheasant hunting is you can't hunt birds that aren't there. And you don't know if they're there. And you're punching through these fields, often trying to get them to flush when you don't know that they're there. And even if you walk right by one 10 feet away, you know, you've got no idea if they're there or not. Now, a dog helps with that. Even a good dog, though, is still not perfect. They can still walk right by birds. I've watched it happen. But they're much less likely to do so than a person. So an individual out hunting birds alone with a dog, they can make great work out of it, have great fun, flush a lot of birds. Individual out by themselves without a dog stomping through fields, that one's tough. You can certainly do it, though. Number three way to hunt pheasants without a dog. The sneaky way. All right, the sneaky way. I don't. I could come up with a better term for that probably, but you are sneaking around trails and open areas, uh, bordering and cutting through pheasant lands. Often, when you have a pheasant field, there's trails that cut through it, around it, and circle it. Um, even roads that are cut for ATVs, so to speak, roads through the fields and stuff for ATVs to come through. If it's a stocked field, often the game commission is going to take care of that themselves because they need to be able to get into the middle field to stock it. So you're going to have open areas. The sneaky way is get out there early in the morning or better yet around noon or near the end of the day. Those are, those are the three best times. And you're sneaking around, trying to be quiet. You're not trying to flush the birds. You're trying to catch them on the ground. You're out by yourself, sneaking through fields, being quiet, being stealthy, ideally when multiple things are in season. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, I know there there's two camps on this topic. Some people are, are all about hunting everything they can be hunting while they're out in the woods. Um, you know, I heard a stat just the other day that the majority of pheasants that are killed in my state are not killed by people out hunting pheasants. They're killed by people out hunting small game who encounter pheasants. Oh, wait, no, no, excuse me. Wrong. I messed that up. That wasn't for pheasants. That was for fall turkey. The majority of fall turkey that were taken were not killed by people hunting fall turkey. They were killed by people out hunting small game who came across a turkey. Right, they were opportunistic. Saw a turkey, had a tag, shot it. But they were looking for squirrels or rabbits or pheasants or grouse or something else, and then, you know, had an opportunity to take a turkey. 
Um, so, but the, the point still stands. If you can be in the woods and there's multiple things you can be hunting in the same habitat, I would hunt like that. I'd hunt everything you can hunt in that area. If you can be hunting pheasants, if you can be hunting grouse, if you can be hunting doves, if you can be hunting, you know, whatever, hunt all of it at the same time. Get out there. Be opportunistic. Look for things. Sneak around. Take what you can take. Uh, if you're on foot, you're by yourself and you don't have a dog, that's the way I prefer to hunt. You know, here's all the things that are available. Let's get out and do what we can. But what I've found is that the sneaking around or walking around on trails, not pounding through fields, walk where you can be quiet, walk where you don't spook the pheasants, because what happens is pheasants, especially stocked pheasants, when they feel that it's safe, when they feel that it's all clear, they're going to walk around. They're going to walk out in the trails. They're going to walk out in the open areas. They're going to poke around, look for food, stretch, whatever the case may be. And I have seen more pheasants on the ground, on trails, and so on than uh, pretty much anything else. Usually while I'm hunting something else. Usually while I'm out duck hunting and I'm dragging the sled back through you know, the outskirts of a field. And as I'm dragging it out, oh, hey, there's a pheasant or two pheasants just walking, you know, walking down the, the path there just hanging out. And I have before even picked up my gun and aimed at him and said, yep, I could absolutely have shot that pheasant if they were in season or if I had a pheasant license um, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, that can be a productive way to do it. The sneaking method. And you can also shoot squirrels. You can also shoot rabbits. You can shoot turkeys. You can shoot doves. Um, sometimes you can even shoot waterfowl. You can take geese. Now, you got to keep in mind, if you're doing something like that, you have to tune your ammo to the highest level of scrutiny. So if you want to hunt rabbits and pheasants and geese all at the same time, then you've got to be using non-toxic shot for the waterfowl and shoot everything that you might come across with the non-toxic shot. Now, if you're using seal shot, that's kind of rough don't love it you can absolutely do it though there are places and states and certain jurisdictions where you can only hunt pheasants with non-toxic shot i'm kind of spoiled i can use lead shot for pheasants but when i go out and i'm cross hunting multiple things at the same time and i'm hoping for geese and pheasants you know or turkey in the same hunt i'm going to use bismuth shot and that's going to give me you know performance that's much closer to lead but is still non-toxic and works great even at distance even at range where steel really falls short and, and really does a poor job but something like that and then i can as long as i've got the right amount of orange on and all of that then you're set so you can sneak hunt you can have multiple things at the same time number four way i told you i might throw a bonus one in here is by calling, locating, and stalking pheasants. Um, you, it takes a little bit to learn how to use a pheasant call. And people that are good at them are good at them. But it's a, it takes a little bit of work to learn how to use a pheasant call. The thing about a pheasant call, though, is you are not trying to get pheasants to come to you. 
you know, turkey hunting in the spring, you're making turkey noises, trying to get turkeys to come to you. Pheasant hunting, you're not making pheasant sounds to get pheasants to come to you. You're getting pheasant sounds to try to get pheasants to answer you. And when they answer you, they give away their position. So the bird answers you and then you sneak into position to try to find that bird and, uh, and, and get close enough in order to flush it or shoot it or whatever, whatever you're trying to do. Now, I have seen this done to tremendous effect. I, I've saw, I know one guy that I've seen who's an absolute master at it. He gets out into the fields early. Pheasants tend to be more vocal at first light, just like turkeys. Gets out there early, gets into to the area where he thinks he's got about the best odds. He'll make a couple of calls, wait till they answer, and then he'll just sneak in to where that call came from. He'll just real quiet, real sneaky, move on in there, looking for that bird. If he gets disoriented, loses position, he'll he'll stop, be quiet, give another call, get try to get him to answer. And uh, you know, usually probably you're not going to get more than one or two out of any bird or position, but that I've seen done with masterful skill. That's a tough. You got to develop that skill though. Right, that is, that's a whole different set of skills. But if you're really into it, if you really want to hunt pheasants well without a dog, and you're solo, I think that's probably the best chance of success. But it's also the the thing that takes the most practice. Not just practice with calls, practice listening, practice walking quietly and stealthily, practice understanding the birds, how they move, where they go, how they react. Things no podcast episode or YouTube video can teach you. You just need to be in the field and just working birds and and learning what they do and where they bail and what how what happens in those kind of situations. But you can be done with masterful success if you know how to do it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I know one guy, uh, he was, he was known as the pheasant whisperer, you know, even as, even as a teenager, he would go in the fields and the farmers and people would say, no, there are no pheasants here. We don't have pheasants in these fields. He'd say, well, can I have your permission to hunt pheasants? And they'd say, well, there aren't any there. He'd say, I hear what you're saying. I understand. But you know, could I have your permission to try? 
And they'd say, okay, sure, go ahead and knock yourself out. Two hours later, he'd walk out with his limit of pheasants. And they'd just be staring at him like, what? How? There aren't any back there. Well, they're there. He knew they were there. He knew how to find them, how to listen, how to call, how to move, how to be skillful and stealthy. And he was able to do it all the time, just constantly able to go in the places where people said there were no pheasants and take pheasants. Um, You know, just develop that, loved it, lived for it for years until the pheasant hunting in his area pretty much dried up. You had habitat change. Um, And this may be a good time just to mention some of that because pheasant hunting in the United States is a tricky thing. Pheasants are not native to the U.S. They're not from here. They are imported from other areas, uh, mostly Asia, and they are not native to, to this country. They need a specific type of habitat to thrive. Specific type of habitat. So let me tell you an illustration here um, from my state that will, I think, help you understand how this works. And then you can apply the principles to where you state accordingly. So right after World War II... There were a bunch of different regulations and things that happened, maybe not right after, but, you know, after World War II, a bunch of regulations and things happened, a bunch of advancements in the farming industry and practices, all sorts of things, yada, yada, yada. Bottom line became that it became unprofitable for many farmers to grow many different kinds of food in Pennsylvania just became unpro was not economical. You know, there are farmers in Iowa and in Kansas and and other states who were able to operate at much larger scale, had better conditions, better soil, had much flatter land that they could harvest quicker and more efficiently, and they were able to just process and grow and develop food much faster and at greater scale than people in Pennsylvania could. And so many farmers across the state, not all of course, but many farmers across the state uh, were just like, oh no, what do we do? We can't make a living anymore. So government acts passed subsidizing those farmers to just leave their fields fallow. Just don't plant anything, just leave your fields empty, and then we will, we will you know, provide these funds for you and so forth and so on. So you had a period of time, maybe a couple decades, where all these farms, thousands and hundreds of thousands of acres, just all of a sudden untouched. And those grew up into fields, they grew up into thick brush, they grew up into dense woods, and they became, you know, just great pheasant habitat. Tons of places for pheasants to hide, just great habitat. Pheasants thrived in Pennsylvania. We had some of the most outstanding pheasant hunting that anyone could ever think for or imagine across much of the state, east and west. Just outstanding. Well, eventually, those fields that grew up into thick, you know, regeneration and woods and stuff like that, they grew up into mature, mature forest, timber, you know, big oak trees. And all of a sudden you got canopy. There's not as much ground cover. The pheasant uh, habitat just was terrible at that point. 
Pheasants need thick, dense, heavy cover all winter in order to thrive in an area. So if you've got big hardwood forests, turkey like those, deer can get around in them okay. Pheasants, on the other hand, they cannot because they are a ground bird. They do not roost in trees. Unlike turkey and grouse that sleep in trees, pheasants sleep on the ground. If they don't have enough cover to keep them safe, they're easily picked off by predators and they just cannot thrive there. So you had all this habitat for a period of years in the state that was so amazing and then that habitat grew up into forest or it got turned into subdivisions and parking lots and Walmarts and all these other things. And then the pheasant habitat just dried up. It went from the most abundant it ever was to, you know, just terrible. And, you know, but that's the way that it works in a place like this because untended fields are not going to stay grasslands for decades. They're going to grow up. Trees are going to grow. They're going to turn into forests. Those forests are going to mature. Eventually, there will be no timber. There are lots of other states that do have thick, lush grasslands and heavy cover naturally, and the pheasants do thrive there. But it's just the cycle of just the, the, the cycle of forestry, the cycle of ecology. You leave a, a piece of land empty, eventually it's going to grow up. might take a while might take a long time, but eventually it's going to grow up. So we have very few pheasants, wild pheasants, relatively speaking today, versus a couple decades ago. Very few wild pheasants. And some people cry and say, you know, we've killed off all the pheasants and, and you know, the, we've ruined their population and all this stuff. And that's not really what happened, guys. That's, that's not it. We created an unnatural boom in pheasant habitat. It, it was never, it was not natural to this area to have that kind of pheasant habitat. It was just unnatural. We created an unnatural boom in habitat. So there was a corresponding boom in pheasant populations. Then when that habitat did what was actually natural, which is turn into the regular habitat of the area, which are forests, then the pheasant habitat dried up and the populations diminished. And it, it, it wasn't just, it wasn't that humans did some terrible thing to eradicate the pheasant populations. We actually did an unnatural thing to create the populations. And then we just let it go and nature corrected itself. Now that's not the whole story, but that's the biggest piece of it. Or at least one of the biggest pieces. So there's a cycle of habitat and that's what happened. So wherever you are, you have to think about the pheasant habitat if you're looking for pheasants. If there are pheasants naturally in your area, when I say naturally, I mean these days. Okay, maybe, maybe 50 years ago there weren't. Or maybe 50 years ago there were, now they're not. Where I hunt within, I don't know, a many mile radius of my area, there are no natural pheasants to speak of. The only ones out there have been stalked by the Game Commission. Very few natural pheasants, if you, especially in any pheasant hunting area. Right? If you go somewhere to, to hunt pheasants, that is stalked. The pheasant hunters go in mass. There's just not going to be any natural birds in those areas. And I don't know that I've seen any natural birds, period. Maybe 
I don't know, one or two in my whole lifetime that weren't stalked birds in a pheasant area. So, uh, and they had, people ask, well, George, how do you know if a bird is a wild bird versus a stalked bird? Well, the question is, what time of year do you see it? If you see pheasants in the springtime, they were not stalked birds because stalked birds do not survive the winter. Or if they do, they are the 0.1 percenters. Okay, stalked birds don't make it through the winter, most of them. A lot of them get taken out by the hunters in the areas they were stalked for. The rest are taken out by coyotes and foxes and other predators. So if you see pheasants in the springtime or the summertime, those are much more likely to be wild birds because they survived a winter, whereas the stalked ones very, very rarely do. Um, so you got to think about the habitat. You know, where do you want to go pheasant hunting? If it's a stocked game land, then great. Everything I've said thus far applies perfectly. If you're going to hunt on a non-stocked area, you need to think about, okay, why do I think there's birds here? Are there birds in this area? Just because it's a good field doesn't mean pheasants live in your area. Um, you need to do some research. You need to figure out what game, what, what wildlife is around. Can you reasonably expect birds to be in that field? Because if there are no birds, you can hunt there every day for a year and you're never going to see one, right? You need to do some research. You need to think about it, look at it, look into it, and understand what's going on in your area. And then the habitat that you're looking for, thick stuff, thick fields, thick brush, thick wood edges, thick places where pheasants can hide from everything, from hawks from coyotes, from bears, from everything else. You need places where pheasants can hide year-round. So, you know, come late February, when the, the heavy snows have fallen, you've got freezing rain, sleet has come, knock down everything that's going to get knocked down. What is still standing? That's how you can gauge, is this area going to support pheasants year-round? Because if it can't support them year-round, it's not going to support them at all. Because they'll just disappear every winter, however they might have gotten there. So you've got to find that kind of habitat. I know I'm gone a little bit further here than just you know different ways to hunt them. But if you can't find them, you can't hunt them. So you need habitat that is thick and dense year-round in your area. If you don't have that, you're probably better off looking for areas that are stocked. All right? Um... Otherwise, you could just frustrate yourself. So I hope this is helpful for you guys. Check out the website. Hit up iTunes. Subscribe. Do it all. Till next time, God bless you and go get them in the woods.